We've been talking in Ephesians about a lot of amazing stuff, but one of the things we've been talking about is how you are located in Christ, right? We mentioned how Paul says in chapter 1 nine different times that your location is actually in Christ, that you are also sitting here in Oklahoma City, but you are also positioned in him. We've been talking about how uh, you have been given a purpose, that before the earth was even formed, that God set you apart. If these things are new to you, catch it up on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. And then we talked about last week about how you are God's inheritance and how the truth of the matter is that God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. That when he thinks about you, you are the gift that he receives. That in the same way that we have an inheritance for most of us here on earth and we receive maybe some sum of money, that when we, that to God, we are his inheritance. We are the long-awaited thing that he is looking for. It's such a powerful reality. And we're going to explore that a little bit more today. But we talked about how Paul was talking about identity, how this first part of Ephesians 1 is like a five-star dinner steak. It's like, or a piece of cake from a nice restaurant. It's juicy. It's decadent. It's a lot to take in, right? And Paul knows that as he's talking about these identity things, it's a lot to take in. And so what he does is he says, I'm going to pray for you. See, you may not be able to totally get what I'm saying. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. So he prays. We covered the first part of his prayer last week. We talked about how he prays that you would have an impartation, an aha moment of this revelation of you being God's child. And then he, he goes on to pray that you would have the eyes of your heart illuminated, that the, any darkness that's inside of you would be banished from you. And then he goes on to pray this in verse 19. So we're going to read this. I'm going to read this to you. You can follow along. If you want to use you version, you can catch it in Ephesians 1. We're going to be in 19 through 23 as we finish out this chapter. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. So it says this, it says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of the immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now... He is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that's coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. Amen. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. So this is an awesome piece of scripture. And Paul is sort of concluding one train of thought and then he continues this thought into chapter two. Remember, when Paul wrote this, it was a continuous letter. He didn't write it by verses. He wasn't trying to make it bullet points, right? It was one stream of thought coming from his heart, from the Holy Spirit. So I want to pick it up here in verse 19, and we're going to break this down. And he says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. So we've talked about this before, about this concept of experiencing God. All throughout the New Testament, there is this theme that God and his power and his person is not supposed to just be known about, but actually experienced in our life. And Paul, again, is praying that you would have that experience. 
And then he makes this statement about God's power, understanding the greatness of his power. So this word power, you're going to know here alone there's three types of power. The next one, there's another time he uses the word power. All four of these words power are actually different types of power. It's kind of interesting. It would be like if we would say electric power, you know, uh, willpower, right? We have different types of power. And so this first part of power is actually the word dunamis. Anybody familiar with the word dunamis? You may have heard studies done on that before. Dunamis is the Greek word that refers to strength but also ability. It's where we get when Paul is saying that God, you can do all things through Christ. It's that ability. There's like a, a, a working out nature to that word. So it's strength but also ability. And so what God is saying is that you have, been given the, um, you have been given ability to experience the ability of God. Does that make sense? But I want to make an interesting note here that it doesn't say you have been given the power to wield on your own. It said the power of God has been made available to you. It's a very subtle difference, right? But I know for me and for a lot of us, we... we we understand that God works, that he does mighty things, that he's a miracle-working God, and sometimes we get a little bit off track in our mind where we think, you've given me the power and I can do that, but no, God has made his power available to us. A little bit of a subtle difference, but it makes a huge difference in our everyday lives. Then he goes on to say, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power. That type of power, the second type, he says it, is actually Kratos' power and it's force or strength. Think the hurricane. Think the pandemonium that was happening this week when we thought Hurricane Florence was going to be a Category 5, and it's the strength of it that everybody, and the force that everybody's terrified about, right? It's a different type of God's power, the force. So here, I want to break this down to you, okay? So I brought with you guys this amazing fish tank. There will be no Wortman fish in this tank, in case you were wondering. We have a uh, our oldest son actually said to Grant the other day, do you think we should start a graveyard in our backyard for all the fish that we've killed? It's really sad. So there won't be any fish in here, so those of you guys that know us, don't worry. Um, but I wanted to, to show you this tank, let's look at this tank as the person of Jesus, okay? So it's quantitative, right? Feel your shoulders, your arms, it's, it's, it's quantitative. And then I want you to see the water as the power of God. Okay? So the power of God is, or the ability, however you want to look at it, but there's all the different types of God's power. It's all in Jesus. It's all been given to him. So we have two types of power that we're talking about today. We're talking about the dunamis power. So this is our dunamis power, okay? So God is holding all the ability. Anything you need, he is able, no questions asked. And then we've got this kratos power, this strength power, this intensity God can do really intense things. So we've got these two types of power, and we've got Jesus. They're all locked up into Jesus. And then I brought for you guys a little friend. This is Mr. Incredible. He's a chain breaker. All you have to do is squeeze his legs, and these chains come right off. It's amazing. And um, while I was looking for a Superman who would not be found, Mr. Incredible will suffice. And the Lord wants you to know in the theme of you being his inheritance, that you are incredible. You may not feel incredible, but you really are to him, okay? So now he has taken you. When you are saved, you get, you receive the Lord, right? We, however you pray to the prayer, I think I said this last week, there's no magical prayer that gets you saved. The Bible tells us it's through the confessing of your mouth that Jesus is Lord and the belief in your heart. That's what salvation is, and that's your eternal changing of location, which we're going to talk about. And there's another part of salvation where we're working it out, where we're becoming one with God. So when you are in that moment, you're saved, God picks you up, 
from where you were out here. And he now positions you in Christ. Okay? So this is now your reality. You are now positioned in him. There's nothing you can do to change that. This should be good news. Here's what's crazy about this. You're also positioned with the power. And you're positioned with all the heavenly blessings. The beginning of Ephesians says that. You've been put in Christ where all the heavenly blessings in the realm of heaven, I think is how it says, that are there, right? So all of these things have been made available to you. You did not become Jesus, we know this, but you are positioned in him. And because you are positioned in him, all these things are available to you. An interesting thing happens if you get into a swimming pool, if you plug your nose and close your mouth, water will not enter your body. It's fascinating, right? The pressure in your ears keep the water out. It doesn't come through your eyes. It won't come in your body. To get the water in your body, you have to do what? You have to open your mouth. It's just a little bit of by faith type thing where you receive and all of this is now available to you. All right, it's getting good. Just tell me, say it's getting good. All right, so Paul is saying there's this power that's been made available to you. And then he goes on and he says something so interesting. He begins to talk about the authority and the headship of Jesus. See, remember, these are not verses that are broken down in his mind. This is one stream of thought. So Ephesians 1 is telling you, this is your identity. You are God's child. It is how he feels about you. Whether you feel that way about you yourself or not is irrelevant. You are God's inheritance. It's how it is just a fact right? And he's saying, and, and to get that, I'm going to pray these amazing things to take place in your life. And then he's saying, and for this stuff to take shape in your life, you need to understand that Jesus is the head. So I brought for you the head. All right, here we go. Try to get this taped up here. Hold on, the head is not going to want to stand on the tank, so give me just a second. Okay, we didn't give Jesus a face because, you know, you know who, what he looks like in your heart. So you've been given a head, okay? So this is the body of Jesus, and he has a head. Now, everybody do something for me. Raise your hand and wave at me really quick. How many of you actually thought to yourself, send a signal to my hand, lift in the air, wave side to side? None of you. It happened instantaneously. The head directed your hand to raise, right? This is what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. The head, Jesus, directs, and we move. Okay, so what Paul is saying is for you to understand this great immeasurable power at work in your life, you have to understand being under the authority of Jesus, right? These two things, they go hand in hand. Your sonship, understanding that you are God's child and understanding that Jesus is now your head, they go hand in hand. And when they are in balance, the power of God moves through you. Like he says here in verse 19, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. But here's what happens sometimes in our life. Sometimes we get the fact that we're a child of God, we get that, but we don't understand that Jesus is the head. So we think we can wield the power on our own like we've become sorcerers. I remember sitting in a conference one year years ago where this man was saying we have to change our mentality that God is not our butler that we ring for him and he comes and does what we ask the truth of the matter is it's sort of the other way around right he rings and we say okay Lord as the head direct me where you want me to go but if we don't understand if we only understand our sonship but we don't understand Jesus as the head then we get messed up and this is one of the ways that leads to disappointment right where we're thinking all right I'm in a situation, I know, all the power is available to me. All I got to do is say this, pray this, fast this, do that, and it's going to happen, no questions. 
And then what happens? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And disappointment can come in that really wrecks us and causes us to say, well, wait a second, is the power not available? But it's because we're on one hand and not the other. But you can come over here and you can understand Jesus is the head, but not understand the sonship factor, and you feel like a crummy, wretched slave all your life. Well, you know, God's just making me do all this stuff, and I've, I don't like my life. It's all Jesus' fault, right? But when we put them together, when we say, okay, Lord, I am your chosen child, and you've put Jesus as the head over me and the church, then this beautiful thing happens, and this flow opens up, and all these things become accessible to us. It's incredible. The head is so important. I don't know about you, but have you ever seen a selfie of an elbow? No, it would be weird, right? If somebody just kept posting, it would be like this. Anybody, if you guys have little kids and you say, would you take a picture of me? It's always a fun experiment. Nine times out of 10, your head will not be in the picture. It'll be some sort of part of your body that you didn't want photoed. And, and then what do you do? You delete it right away. Why? Because if your head is not in the picture, it just doesn't make sense, right? But we do this with Jesus all the time where we're like, you know what, I am a thumb, and I work that thumb, and I am great. I can thumb wrestle, I, you know, but we forget that just the thumb it by itself, it's not very spectacular. Or just an elbow by itself. But because we are the body of Christ, and he is the head, when we understand this and he directs us, life actually gets really good. All right. Let me put it this way. We've been talking about how you've been given a calling and an assignment. You've been given a calling by God. So I want to break something down for you guys and talk to you about the difference between a calling and an assignment, okay? So we said a couple weeks ago how you've been given a calling and that your calling has two parts. Part number one of your calling is being with God. Part number two of your calling is how God is being through you, right? And so sometimes we think that our calling we feel like we're not working at it because we've been given an assignment that doesn't seem to directly relate, okay? So let me talk to you about assignments. All of you are in an assignment right now. The season of your life is an assignment. You might have little kids, and it may be a very narrow season of life. There's not much socializing going on. You're locked at home. You know, I remember when my kids, my oldest three were born in five years, and, and the two of them were 17 months apart, and I just physically could not corral them in a parking lot or else we would die, and so I very rarely went anywhere, right? It, that was an assignment of a season. And so God gives us assignments that are meant to, to help us become our calling, right? So we get a little bit off track if we think that our calling is this thing that we're going to achieve in the earth all the time. Our calling, and I know you may not have heard it this way before, but I hope this is helpful to you. Our calling is what we are reflecting of God on the earth. Okay, so we've talked about this before, but let me say it again. When God looks at the earth, he wants to see a reflection of who? Of him. We are made in his image. So he designed people to reflect back to him, just like a mirror, right? But one human being cannot possibly hold all the complexities of who God is. So he does this. He creates a type of people who are so tender-hearted. They're nurturing people. They cry at the drop of a, of a dime. You know, my grandma was like this. If you ever needed a Kleenex, she's got a couple tucked in her purse because she never knows what's going to move her to tears. Her heart is so tender and it's so beautiful. And the Lord looks at people like that and he says, wow, you are such a reflection of me. You are such a reflection of the tenderness that I hold in my heart. Wow, it's so beautiful. 
But then there's other people who are like riding on the horse with their sword drawn, you know, where is the injustice? I am ready to slay it, right? Point the direction and I'll swing my sword. And God looks at that and he says, wow, that is so me. That's a reflection of my heart to bring justice and vindication for the people who are oppressed. Gosh, I see myself in you so much. And then he goes over here and he sees the people who are artists, who are ethereal and they sort of float from one thing to the next and they, they interpret things and they connect, all, you know, the, and they, they express. And God looks and he's like, gosh, that is me. That is so how I am, right? And he does this for every category of personality you can think of. Why? And so when he's looking down, he as the head is seeing his body, even though we look across and we say thumb, elbow, toenail, armpit, right? I don't know about you, but there's moments where you're like, Lord, do not make me the armpit, please. But somebody's got to be it. It reflects his nature. Okay. But are you guys tracking with me that when Jesus looks into what he's, like with his body, he's seeing all the pieces working together. But if we look and we only isolate the elbow or the thumb or whatever, we get so off track. But here's what we need to understand. So you're calling again that your calling is to be with God and to reflect how he is through you. But then he gives you assignments. So the thing about our assignments too is that they, I think they have less to do with what we're achieving and more to do with who we're becoming. Okay, and so why is that important? Because who we're becoming is getting better at our calling, right? It's getting more healed, more whole, more self-control, more refined so that we can reflect our calling, which is who God is through us on the earth. So here's what, what, what happens, and this is, I believe, what Paul is saying through this concept of the headship and the power made available to you, is that when we look at our assignment and we, we regret it or we're frustrated by it, we have to do it again and again. It's, it's just like first grade, you know, or times table math. You can't move on until you get it done. And so you have to keep repeating the assignment. You could be looking at other people and going, how the heck did they get to keep going to fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade? But here I am still stuck at the same thing. And I think it's this, because what's happening in your assignment is not so much about what you're achieving, but who you're becoming. It's about what's happening inside of you. Let me go on a little bit. I'm going to digress for a moment intentionally. Anybody ever had someone in their life, don't raise your hand, just look straight ahead at me. Have you ever had someone in your life that really annoys you, right? You're just like, man, I do not need this person in my life. Holy Spirit, if you love me at all, something will happen and they'll move along, right? Not in a bad way. Not, you're not wishing them ill, but you're just saying, you know, or you'll call me over here and I won't have to, you'll call me to a different job and I won't have to show up and look at them again, right? I'm just saying some of us have these thoughts from time to time. But here's what's the thing, is that person may leave your life, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you lovingly as a mother, another one just like them is coming in. Why? Because they're unearthing something in you. It's an assignment for you to become better than how you are right now. So when we change our perspective, when we start saying, all right, Lord, this one is, feels a little bit like an armpit, right? Right? Or it, it feels, this is hard for me. This relationship is hard for me. This job is hard for me. Whatever the, the situation may be. When we change our perspective and say, what do you want me to get out of this, Lord? Who am I becoming through this scenario? And let me do it to the best and quickest of my ability. Because it's true, if we move along before we caught what he was trying to do in us, he, we have to repeat it. The person may have a different face, but their personality is going to be the same. 
It's going to bring up the same thing inside of you. So why is this important? Because Jesus is the head and he's directing the body to do something amazing. And I genuinely believe when we have our sonship set, when we understand we're a child of God, and we understand that Jesus is directing us, so when we understand that the assignment we're in is intentional and it's for our good, whether we're achieving what we're trying to achieve or not, when we show up, when we participate with God, right, that it's for our good. When that happens, the power of God begins to flow in and through our life and it makes life worth living. It makes the trials something we can call joy, like James tells us to. You guys tracking with me on this? All right, so I brought along another friend, this Wonder Woman, because we are incredible and we are wonderful. Let's see if we can get her to sink. Hold on. She might have to fill up with water for a second, or she may just be a floater. Yep, she's gonna be a floater. Here, we'll leave her over here. There she is. She's in the water. Just trust me. But here's what it looks like sometimes, okay? That we're going, all right, Lord, I know I can't change my position in you. I know I can't change my calling, right? You, you wrote that on me from the beginning of my life. I sure wish I could change my personality, but it's not going to happen. I need you to help me do the things you've called me to do, right? And so that's part of our prayer. For other of us, we look at it and we say, you know what, Lord? I can't change it, but I am going to do whatever I can to ignore what you're doing in my life. I'm gonna do whatever I can to block out who, who you're trying to be, how you're trying to be, right? This is weird, isn't it? Why would you wanna be locked up in Jesus where all the power and all the heavenly blessings are but purposely putting yourself out? See, God is not putting you out. He is not withholding anything from you. But there are times where we purposely withhold ourselves from him. It can look like fear, it can look like uncertainty, it can be doubt, it can be any type of, you know, it can be unforgiveness, you name it, it's different for all of us. But there are times where we put ourselves in a box. And the reason why I wanna show you this is because from God's perspective, he's not withholding anything from you. So you may be in a position in your life where you're saying, I don't understand how to get the power of God to be at work in me. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the power of God that makes you like, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit power of God. I'm talking about like change, ability, like, I need your help, Lord. I need you to change the direction of this part of my life. I need you to fix this relationship, I need, right? The needs that we have. But sometimes we close ourselves off from them. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that one bit. And the reason why I'm showing that to you is so that you can get a picture of how hard that can be. So we've been given a calling. We've been given an assignment. And we've been given Jesus as the head. I want to t make a note of the fourth time that power is used. It's in verse 21. In the ESV, if you're looking at that, it may say working or worked. Both of those words are actually referring to power as well. But the last type of power that's listed on this list is called exosia, and it's actually the power of choice. It's your free will. This is interesting, right? Grant, you can put that up there on um, it's the 21, it's the middle slide. And so he's saying that Jesus is more powerful than every, it's the next one, right? Oh no, there it is. He's exalted above every ruler, authority, government, and the realm of power in existence. That power is the power of your choice. Why is that important? Because in Jesus, you literally have everything you could need. Even God is more powerful than your choices. Some of us, we get so hung up because we've made mistakes in life. And we think God can't correct that. God can't get us back on track. But the reality is that's not true. Even those things have been put under Jesus. I don't know about you, but this is so empowering for me. Because <laughs> none of us are perfect. 
We can all look back in our past and think, man, if I could go back and do one thing different, it would be, you could come, it up, come up with it right then, right? But the Lord is going, even that thing, I am so big, I am so capable, I am so able that even when you fall in the ditch, I can get you out of that ditch and back on track. But we have to be diligent to get the box off ourselves. We have to be diligent and stop saying things like, I'll only meet with you, Lord, when? When you fix this, then I'll do this. No, it doesn't work that way because he's the head. He's the ruler. So I don't know about you. I'm not entirely sure where we are today. I know we're probably in one of three categories. But for some of us, we're looking at this and we're saying, I don't think I was aware that all the power had been made available to me. That maybe you were aware that God was your Savior, that he's your Lord, but maybe you weren't aware that this is now you, submerged in all the help from heaven. And so for you today, what you need to do is just receive and take a drink. You just need to say, Lord, it's all here for me, and I, I thought I was going to have to work myself out of this problem. I thought, I, you know, you may have to, okay? Some problems we do have to apply ourselves, right? But in other things, we, have, we can say, Lord, I didn't, I didn't realize it was all available right here for me. I didn't get that. But for some of us, and maybe that we need to realign ourselves, maybe that we need to recognize, all right, I was over here having some elbow selfies, and I need to, I need to see my assignment for what it is. I need to change my perspective on it. I'll just be totally honest with you. There, this is something I have to do on a fairly regular basis because I get frustrated with why my assignments aren't achieving things that I want them to achieve. And sometimes the wires get crossed where our calling feels like our assignment and our calling, they feel like the same. And so then we feel like we're not going to even make a difference in life at all. But the Lord's going, no, no, no. Your calling is just who you are. It's going to keep radiating out of you. Be faithful with this assignment regardless of what's happening, right? Because it's who you're becoming which is going to help you with your calling. It's reflecting the glory of God in the earth. It's so powerful. So for some of us, maybe today all we need to do is just have an alignment moment. And then there's others who we need to experience God. Maybe it's all three for you. I don't know. (laughs) But when Paul says in this prayer, I pray that you will continually experience, this is a promise for you. It's the it just keeps getting better concept that there's not going to be a point that you arrive, that you've experienced it all, that you've done it all. And if you feel that way, you have a box on you. And it's not from God. Why? Because all of this is available to you. There's always something fresh and new in the kingdom. So for you, it may just be that you need to experience. Maybe you've got your sonship revelation and you've got your headship revelation and the flow is working in your life and you just need to say, Lord, I want a fresh, I want a fresh taste. I want a fresh experience with you. I don't know what it will be for you. But what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes. You guys didn't even know I could be this brief, did you? But I want to take a few minutes. I'm going to move this giant tank out of the way. And Sarah, would you play a little bit? And what I want us to do is we're going to open the front up here. We're going to turn the lights down a little bit. And here's the goal, that whether you need to realign in your understanding of your assignment, whether you need to open yourself and just recognize that the power of God is available for you, or maybe you need to experience him, whatever it is, there is something God wants to do in your heart. And I came across this quote recently, I thought it was so good, and it was talking about in worship. When we worship, and we have a tendency to judge the people who are next to us that are worshiping differently than us, and it may not even feel like judgment, it may just be like a side eye, you know, or like, oh, that's weird, why would you do that, right? Or maybe it's not even the conscious, why would you do that? It's just a, oh, that's weird. But the thing about worship and the thing about experiencing God in ministry times like this is that you don't know the story of the person next to you. 
you don't know the battles that they're fighting in their heart. The, the, the amount of effort it takes to have even shown up today, right? You don't know that. And so when you're looking across the room, I would just say don't look across the room. Just focus on yourself. And if you're sitting here and you're going, man, I need to ask the Lord to help me understand what my assignment is. It could be the job you're in, the season you're in, or it could be something different, right? That might be the question you need to ask. But while we're doing this, I really want to encourage all of you guys to take a minute in your heart. You can come up here, you can kneel down, you can lay down, you can just get before the Lord. And my promise to you is that we are not going to be judging you. We're not going to be guessing what you're dealing with because we all have something we're dealing with, right? And I really, I love the fact that this church is a church that doesn't judge people. That we're a church that we look at you and we say, hey, God is, this is your reality. You know, you just got to like get in there, float around a little bit, right? So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to come to the front. You can stand in the back, whatever you need to do. But Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here and that you're touching on our hearts, God. And I thank you, Lord, that right now you are helping people see that they felt so alone, but now they're realizing they are not alone. They are realizing they are right in the middle of all of you and your blessings. And Lord, I pray for the ones that are sitting here having an aha moment that they felt so far off from their calling, but it's really just an assignment they don't wanna say yes to. Lord, I'm asking today for a fresh yes in our hearts. I'm asking, Lord, that you would show us how we are becoming more and more like you. And that's the greatest thing we could do for our life. And Lord, for others of us that feel like we've been there, we've done that, we've, we've experienced all of these things, we're asking for a fresh experience for you today. And so we just release your presence in this place. I bind up every voice or thought that would come against what you are saying in people's minds and we release your word in people right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for being here. So you guys can come up here, you can move to the side wherever you need to be.
over everything that might come against us. We thank you that you are even bigger than our own willpower. And this morning, we just put ourselves back under your headship. We just, at least for me, Lord, we just say direct us in the way you want us to go, that we trust you, that we know that you have our good intention in mind. The assignments that you're putting before us are for our good, that they're helping us become more like you. So we thank you for that. We give you honor for that. something a quick testimony with you before we dismiss and we had our um, women's night on Friday night and one thing we do with our sisterhood nights every time we have them is we we go on a prophetic shopping trip with the Lord we ask the Holy Spirit to, to tell us what to buy and then we give some giveaways and on this particular night um, we really felt like the Lord the first thing I felt like he said was you need to buy a blanket and I said okay Lord why am I buying a blanket and he said because I want to give a promise and I'm going to wrap this person up in my love. I said, that's really cool, right? So I bought a blanket. It was the first thing I bought. And so we, we did the drawing and I shared before I even did the drawing. I said, listen, the Lord wants you to have a promise for whoever wins this, that you're going to be wrapped up in his love. And when you put this blanket on you, it's going to feel like you're wrapped up in his love. And I drew this woman. It was somebody who'd never been to our church before. And and she was really excited to get it. And after the service was over that night before she left, she said, I have to tell you something. She said, for the last several weeks, the prayer, the only prayer I've been praying is, God, I want to be wrapped up in your love. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? And she said, no, this is the prayer I've been praying. And so when she, she said, I am, I'm really cold natured. So this is just the most amazing gift. And I said, wow, right? And it, it blew me away. I couldn't stop thinking about it the whole weekend. Why? Because it's such a testimony that we don't often get that even the words that we're praying are falling on his ears that he loves you so much and I don't know how else to say except like Paul just I'm just praying this for you I'm praying that you get it from here and put it into there right that this understanding that how intricately involved the Lord is in your life and how much he loves even the things you're praying so you may be feeling distant from him today but I just hope that you leave this place understanding you're not distant from him it's just a feeling because he is right there with you and he's listening for this. I'm gonna say random lady, that's not the right way to say it, this beautiful woman who I've never met before, right? But that God would tell us to buy something to affirm what she'd been praying. Come on, it's incredible. So I wanted to share that testimony with you as we dismiss because I want you guys to be, to be thinking through, Lord, as I'm praying, as I'm spending time with you, I'm not just talking to a wall, I'm talking to the real God the real Holy Spirit who's, a, who's here with me now. So I'm gonna pray for you. Um, if you're comfortable, put your hand on your heart. If you're not, you totally don't have to do that. But this is just a blessing and this is my way of saying, Lord, move through their hands into their heart, the understanding of their sonship, of their, their place as your son or daughter in their life, God. And Lord, I bless each person in this room to just have a life that keeps getting better. Lord, we bless them to have an awareness of their position in you and how significant and important that is. And we bless them this week that the power and ability of God would be with them. So the obstacles that are in their way, we just say, we just thank you. We, we just, even in simplicity, thank you that you are moving in those obstacles and you're gonna remove them this week. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And so if you are needing prayer for anything specific, we'll be up here to pray for you.